Myers, and it is a joy to, to share in this worship with you. So thank you for being here this first day of the week, this Lord's Day, to share in this time of worship at First Church. I just remind you that as we all gather, uh, we share the registration pads. It is helpful for us to know of your presence with us in this time of worship, and we're especially grateful for those visitors, those guests who may be with us. You bless us as you share in this time of worship, and we pray it is a blessed time for us all. Uh, this being the season of Lent would just remind you of opportunities for study and worship that are before us. Each Wednesday during Lent, we share in a midweek service of worship, 12 noon here in the sanctuary. Uh, Tim Gerhardt of Weston Memorial Church will lead us in that time of worship this coming Wednesday. Uh, we began that journey last week with the uh, actually uh, worshiping here and with Michael Harrison from the Community Fellowship. And I really appreciate having the opportunity to share in those times of worship with other pastors in this area. On Wednesday evening at 5.30, we share in a Lenten study of the Gospel of John. That will be our second session this coming Wednesday. If you have not been a part of that and would like to, we still have some books available and welcome you to share in that time of study. On Tuesday evening this week, uh, there will be a wonderful opportunity for mission, uh, and I share that with you. This Tuesday, beginning at 4 p.m. and running until 8 p.m., we will be serving hot cakes, sausage, and coffee in the Fellowship Hall to members of the Martinsville City Police Department, the Martinsville City Sheriff's Office, and the Martinsville City Fire Department. It's a way of saying thank you for keeping us safe from harm. Volunteers are welcome to help with this special ministry. We may wind up serving as many as 130 individuals or more. The men and women of these departments have expressed heartfelt appreciation that we would do this for them, so come on out and support our first responders. If you have any questions, see Trip Smith or Linda Adams. Again, from 4 o'clock until 8 o'clock in our fellowship hall, uh, volunteers are welcome to share in this wonderful mission. Also, uh, yesterday we shared in the mission of the food bank and clothes closet. 100 families were served by way of the food bank, 138 boxes packed, 305 people served. 76 households by way of the clothes closet served 251 people. And again, we're grateful to share in that ministry with volunteers from the Beta Club of Magna Vista. Related to this, our church food bank has been selected by Kroger Mid-Atlantic Advertising to participate in a charity event supporting their Zero Hunger Initiative. We will receive $2,000 in gift cards for two members of our food bank to conduct a five-minute shopping spree for essential food bank items at our local Kroger. They will do this with the help of NASCAR race car drivers Ryan Priest, number 47, and Chris Boucher, number 37. Kroger is one of the sponsors supporting these cars. Come out and cheer for our church food bank shoppers, Annette Huckfelt and Casey Wilson, as they race to fill their carts with food items that support our No Hunger Outreach programs. That's this coming Friday. Uh, driver autographs from 5.30 to 6, and then the shopping spree race bagging competition from 6 to 6.30. Sounds great. So again, that's this coming Friday at Kroger. But wait, there's more. <laughs> the children's holiday food bags for their spring break from school will be delivered Tuesday, March 19th. We'll meet at the Uptown Ministry Center at 9.15 a.m. Everyone is welcome to join in for delivery again Tuesday, 9.15 at the Uptown Ministry Center. Uh, and a week from today, the Danville District will hold a district conference in our ministry center, 2 o'clock next Sunday. I mentioned this uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it's an opportunity to meet the interim bishop. Remember, Bishop Luvis is recovering from hip surgery. Bishop Peter Weaver is the interim bishop. He will be with us. And also our new district superintendent, Denise Bates. She assumes the role of DS. Uh, this July, and she will be with us as well. So again, if you'd like to meet the interim bishop and the new DS uh, next Sunday, two o'clock is opportunity to do that. So I think we're about, I think these announcements come my way to try to displace the sermon. Um, <laughs> it's not working, so, but, uh, but I invite us to prepare to worship God together.
Yes, thank you, Beth. Uh, a, a correction, the district conference I mentioned will be next Saturday, not Sunday. It will be Saturday at two o'clock in the Uptown Ministry Center, not on Sunday. Our call to worship is before us. I invite us to stand as we share in that call. Return to the Lord your God. Confess to the Lord your God. Repent to the Lord your God. Praise the Lord your God. Worship the Lord your God. You may be seated. Children of a first-hand ex experience children's pop team. Thank you again. Thank you, leaders, choir moms, all who make this possible. I invite us to stand as we sing.
may be seated. I invite us to go to God as we pray our opening prayer before us. We have gathered here, loving God, where we can draw strength, knowing that wherever two or three are gathered, you are present among us. Guide us throughout these 40 days as we journey to the cross. Let us put to death those things that separate us from each other and from you. May we know your presence is always with us. The power of your transformative love is within us, and your grace surrounds us. In the name of Jesus, our companion on this journey of faith, we pray. Amen. We shared the Old Testament lesson, and there's a change there. We're going to be sharing from Hosea chapter 11, not Jeremiah chapter 9. Again, the Old Testament lesson from Hosea chapter 11, uh, selected verses here as our candles are lighted. Let us pray. Out of your love for us, your desire to heal and save us, O Lord, you speak to us. You create and you recreate in the image of Christ our Lord. Help us to hear your word, to give thanks, and to shape our lives according to your saving word. Amen. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went away from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of compassion, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come to destroy. This is the word of our Lord. We were grateful for the Maxwell family to lead us in the Lenten wreath liturgy as two lights will be extinguished on this second Sunday in Lent. On this second Sunday of Lent, Jesus tells us he wants to gather us to himself, just like a hen gathers her chicks to herself. Once again, Jesus tells us that as we look to the world surrounding us, we see reminders of God's love for us. The joy of a widow finding a lost coin, of a shepherd's finding a lost sheep. As a father finding a lost son, all tell how much God loves us. As God expresses such great joy in finding us, so God sees deep grief at the thought of losing us. So as not to lose us, God sends his son to Jerusalem, where he is to die for us. By doing this, God gathers us to himself, never to lose us again. Let us pray. Dear Lord, you care for us so much, you go to die for us. When we ignore or forget how much you love us, 
remind us how you want to draw us close to you. Help us hear how much you want us to heal. Tell us again of your love for us, a love which never ends. Amen. I invite Elizabeth Maxwell to read the 27th Psalm. The children's choirs sing following the reading of the psalm, and then we will move straight from the children's choirs to children's church. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold in my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, will my heart will not fear. No war break out against me. Even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the days of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock.
Children, we are so grateful for your witness in this time of worship. You have blessed us, and we thank you, Beth. We thank you, Anne. We share the gospel as it comes to us from Luke, the 13th chapter, verses 31 through 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, killing the prophets and stoning those who are sent to you, how often would I have gathered your children together as the hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of our Lord. We stand as we sing. seated. Well, we began this past Wednesday our Lenten study in the Fellowship Hall. We met Wednesday evening there, studying now the Gospel of John. It's a study produced by Adam Hamilton, pastor of the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection in Leewood, Kansas. And as part of this study, Hamilton, in addition to looking at the witness to John, looks at how the Gospel of John fits within the larger witness of Scripture. 
As he considers John within this larger witness of Scripture, Hamilton states that at the heart of Scripture is this message. The creator of the universe wants human beings to know him. Again, the creator of the universe wants human beings to know him. Now, as we shared this observation this past Wednesday evening, I shared with the group that when I first read this statement, the creator of the universe wants human beings to know him, there was that part of me that responded with some nonchalance, with a sense that, well, yeah, I think we know that by now. Still, I found I could not let go of this observation, the creator of the universe wants human beings to know him. I found I, I could not put any distance between myself and these words. I found the words tugging at my sleeve, refusing to let go. It is as if a voice was stubbornly telling me, take another look at these words, listen again to these words. And really, could it be any other way? How could it be that hearing the words, the creator of the universe wants human beings to know him, just one time is sufficient? How can nonchalance be an appropriate response to these words? Because this is a stunning witness, a witness calling us to stop where we stand, to be silent, to look, to listen. The creator of the universe, the one who brought all things into being simply by speaking, the one who has breathed his life, his spirit into us, really has no need to be known by us, does he? Does this creator not have everything he needs? Is there anything the creator of the universe is lacking? And if he lacks something, could it not be that he could simply summons whatever he lacks by speaking it into existence. Furthermore, consider this. The Creator, as Father, as Son, as Holy Spirit, has relationship within himself. That is to say, the Creator need not look beyond himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to satisfy any relational cravings he may feel. But according to Hamilton, the witness at the heart of Holy Scripture is this, the creator of the universe wants you and me to know him. Well, the creator of the universe, being the creator of the universe, should pretty well get whatever he wants, right? Still, the creator of the universe takes great risk in making himself so vulnerable, so available, as to have those whom he has created know him personally. We see this in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. Jesus, remember, has set his face to go to Jerusalem as he makes his way to the cruel death awaiting him there, he receives word from some sympathetic Pharisees telling him, get out of here. King Herod wants to kill you. Jesus replies he will not be deterred from making his way to Jerusalem because it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. And it's then that Jesus begins his lament over Jerusalem. How often would I have gathered your chickens, children together, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? We see what happens here when the creator of the universe decides he wishes to be known by those whom he has created. It's then he opens his heart so as to have his heart broken by all he has made, by those he's not willing to lose. It's then he realizes the price he is to pay to save all he has made and how they will still refuse him. It's then the Creator feels the anguish of giving all he can. 
and still being refused by those for whom he gives himself. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, killing the prophets and stoning those who are sent to you. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you would not. You see, the creator of the universe wants us to know him, and there is a price to pay for being so vulnerable as to be known by those he has made. There's a price to be paid as one draws so close as to care so much as to risk being rejected, crucified, dead, and buried. Stunning that this creator is willing to draw so close to you and me to desire so greatly to gather us to himself as a hen gathers her brood beneath her wings. Stunning that when given the choice to find some distant place away from us, or to dwell so close as to know even our death, the creator of all there is chooses to dwell so close as to know even our death. Can a God get any closer to us than this? He draws so close to us as to lament our rejection of him, a lamentation spoken even as he sets his face to go to Jerusalem where he dies for us. The word became flesh, dwelt among us. God can get no closer than that. Still, this is a God from whom, for whom from the very beginning, really, he's been daringly close to his people. Part of this sermon was written this past Wednesday evening as I sat on our couch in our family room downstairs. From where I sat, I looked at an entertainment center, which really isn't that entertaining, to be honest with you. Didn't do anything. But still, it does its job by holding a TV, and it also provides an abundance of shelves and cabinet space. And within this cabinet space sits a gracious plenty of photo albums. Many, many, many photo albums. Now these are photo albums compiled not only by me and Paula, for among these photo albums are albums compiled by my late mother. Not that she took the photographs within these albums, but thinking ahead of her children and grandchildren. She would rummage through her house and dig through every drawer so as to gather every stray photo. And she then provided for every photo she found an orderly home. As she put together an abundance of family albums, she then distributed to each of her children, me being the fifth one. In this time in which photo albums are found not in family rooms, but on phones, I'm grateful for the faithful diligence of my mother and for my lifelong love of photography. And I'm grateful that as I look upon these photo albums, even there I find a connection to the witness of God's saving history with his people. It's a history that is set before us as if someone sets before us the family photo album an album recalling the relationship between God and his people, an album recalling those moments giving witness to the nature of the relationship between God and his people. In this witness of scripture, we have the experience of God turning the pages of the photo album and recalling memories found in these pages, memories of the relationship God has established between himself and his people. Here again, God's voice as he pours over the pages of faith, a voice captured by the prophet Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went away from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning incense to idols. 
Yet it was I who taught Ephraim how to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of compassion, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them, and I fed them. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come to destroy. Now this is a God subject to agonizing over the welfare of his people from the beginning. A God who cannot tolerate the thought of losing even one he has made. A God who spares no expense, not even his son, so as to save all he has made. I remember a certain weekend several years ago when our younger daughter Liz was perhaps two years old. It was a weekend in which she was terribly sick. So much so that the night arrived when neither Paula or I would get any sleep at all. The night found the three of us in our family room trying to comfort Liz, trying to help her finally get some sleep. We had no success. While one of us parents would try to sleep, the other would hold Liz, rock her, pat her, sing to her. We soon left the singing up to Paula. We, yes, thank you. That's, someone finally gets my humor. Thank you, thank you. We would apply a cold washcloth to her warm forehead. We kept a waste bucket nearby due to her upset stomach. I'll leave it there. Liz might sleep a brief while, and stirring our hopes that she would finally sleep, only to be wakened again by fever, by nausea, by who knows what. So it went deep into the night in the wee small hours, Liz being handed from mom to dad and back again, both mom and dad terribly fatigued. You know what that's like. Our daughter finally, we hoped, displayed some signs of having broken the fever, her stomach finally being stilled and yielding to exhaustion. And as I summons whatever energy I have left to rub her back, to caress her head, I managed to find enough voice to say to Paula, I hope she knows how much we love her. Day by day, we make our way to Jerusalem, doing so in the presence of the one who holds us, the one who comforts us, the one who heals us. And all the while, we hear his voice. I hope they know how much I love them. Amen. I invite us to respond to the word as we stand and affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, number 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, 
he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence you shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As we stand, I invite us to welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. Marion just told me I'd never get you reorganized, but I'll try. I'll invite our ushers to come forward as we worship God with his tithes and our offerings. Just a reminder, once we have the offering brought forward, we share in the doxology as it is before us. Blessed be the name. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of yourself and for the gift of this season when we are invited again to know how much you love us, how much you care for us, how close you are to us. As we worship you and seek to follow you and be faithful to you, we offer these gifts with the prayer that they accomplish great things in your care for the gospel of Christ. Amen.
may be seated. We prepare for a time of prayer that we know as the prayers of the people. This is a time in which we share responsibly in prayer. I will name various petitions and conclude each of those petitions with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and invite from you the response, hear our prayer. And invite you to name those concerns or persons you'd like to lift before us as we pray to God together. As we go to God in prayer, we will continue to remember Bishop Lewis and her recovery from hip surgery. We certainly lift our hearts with others throughout the world and sadness for those in New Zealand, our neighbors there who are suffering terrible loss of life in the recent days. We go to God as we pray. Draw us nearer, Lord, to follow you even to Jerusalem, to there see how deep your love for us, to be those who wish to give ourselves to a God so giving and gracious. Help us, Lord, to follow, and help us to know that when we weaken or when we stray, you are constantly reaching out to us to gather us, as a hen gathers her chicks. We pray we would not stray from you, Lord, but know again the depth of your love for us, a love made real, a love drawing as close as possible in the gift of Christ our Lord. Lord, in your mercy. And hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy, hear us as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. For those of Christ Church, New Zealand. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. For Bishop Lewis, Bishop Weaver, Janine Howard, Ministries of First Church, Lord, in your mercy, and hear our prayers gathered with the communion of saints whose witness lives still and whose presence is known among us as we pray as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
We stand as we share our closing hymn. We go now in peace, and we go as a light into this community and beyond, because we've been gathered within the loving embrace of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.